welcome to Victory Today. I am so pleased that you've joined us because we are talking right now about the difference between your spirit, your soul, and your body. And even when I say that, some of you might be like, well, man, I didn't even know that there was a difference. Well, friend, there absolutely is. And when you understand that and you grasp the relationship between your spirit, your soul, and your body, not only will the Christian life start to make so much more sense to you, but you're going to start getting victories. You're going to get victories in your thinking, victories in your emotions, and praise God, you're going to get victories in your body. You know, I couldn't tell you the number of people over the years that I've spoken to who've struggled with some issue in their lives that they just assumed ought to have been fixed when they came to faith in Christ. And the thing is, prior to getting saved, that issue didn't bother them that much, maybe because they weren't in the Word of God. Well, obviously, they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, and their own spirit at that point hadn't been transformed. It wasn't conformed to the things of God. And so because of that, whatever the issue was, it really didn't bother them that much before they came to faith. But now it's right in their face all the time, and the devil's condemning them about it. He's making them feel like a failure, a hypocrite for not dealing with it. And so as a result, they're getting more and more frustrated because they've prayed, but it's still there. And they've got no idea why God just doesn't take it away. And maybe you can relate to that today. And so what people typically do when they're in that situation is they go for prayer. They fast. They confess the word. They call all of their friends and they ask them to be in agreement with them that this issue will go away. They promise God that if you'll take it away, they'll do all kinds of religious things in the hope that that's what will make God move. If they just promise him stuff, he'll take it away. But then when nothing changes, that really begins to affect a person's relationship with God, their intimacy with him. People get negative, they get discouraged, they, they, they can fall into a place of despair. They can take that out on God. But what I'm saying today is that many, many times it is simply a misunderstanding of the difference between spirit, soul and body and a failure to recognize how those three interact with one another and what changed when we came to Christ and what didn't change and what we now need to be responsible for that would just make all of that make sense for a person. and It would be like the light would come on and they'd go, oh my goodness, I was expecting God to do some things that he expects from me. I just thought that these things automatically changed when in fact they didn't change. That's why the Bible says the truth will set you free. Let me give an example of that. If you don't renew your mind with the word of God, you're going to continue to be defeated by fear, by worry, by doubt, by negativity, temptation, all kinds of ungodly thoughts. Now, you can pray about that. You can fast and you can beg and you can plead with God to do something about that. But friend, listen to me. He won't renew your mind for you. No, he's told you to renew your mind. And in order to help you with that, he's given you the word of God. 
He's given you the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide, to direct, to give you wisdom, to bring to your remembrance the Word. And He's surrounded you with good preachers and teachers to help you. Amen? But if you don't understand that your mind didn't change when you became a Christian, and that the number one trick of the enemy is to bring ungodly thoughts your way and try and get you to receive them, and own them, if you don't know that and you don't realize that you actually have two minds as a Christian and not one, we talked about that a few weeks ago, if you don't know that you have a natural mind, which you must renew by the word of God, God's not going to do that for you, you have a natural mind, which has got to be renewed by the word of God, and the Bible says you have the mind of Christ, where you can know all things. But that's coming from your spirit. And if you don't understand that, you're going to be confused as to why it is that you keep thinking and acting the way that you do when you're supposed to be a Christian, when you're supposed to be victorious. And that messes a lot of people up. It's one of the major reasons that people aren't walking in victory today. Because they simply haven't understood this difference between spirit, soul, and body. And just as an aside, I say spirit, soul, and body, because that's how the word refers to you, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body, okay? Not body, soul, and spirit. I know that that's how the world refers to it. They talk about body, soul, and spirit. In in fact, these days, as people becoming more secular, they simply talk about body and soul, right? But the point is, the world wants to put the body, the physical, on a pedestal. That they want to highlight body, soul, and spirit. And they kind of drop off the spirit part. So it's all body and soul. Why? Because the world wants to put the body, the physical part, on a pedestal. Because in their minds, the natural or the physical, the tangible, what we experience with our senses, that is the most important thing. I don't need to tell you about that. You know that to be true. This world today elevates the body, the emotions, our feelings. Everything is about your physical self, your body, your self-image, your identity. And they mean by that what you physically identify as. You turn on the TV, spend five minutes on Instagram, take note of the kind of things people are talking about today or what people spend their money on or what they aspire to. And friend, you will very quickly see that it's all about self-image. It's about physical fitness, upgrades, experiences, sexuality, entertainment, self-promotion. Friend, it's all about the physical and it's all centered on the body. Now, what will you conclude if you embrace that kind of a message? Well, you would conclude that you're nothing more than a physical body, right? That you are the sum total of your experiences in life. Your feelings 
are your guide. That's what you would conclude from the messages that the world sends out, that your feelings, your emotions are your guide, that your body knows better than anybody else, that life is short and there's nothing after this life. So you better have all of the experiences you can. You better buy all the stuff you can get your hands on. You just want to get ahead, sleep around, take whatever substances that'll make you feel good. Identify with whatever gender you choose. Let Be led by your feelings. Make the most of it because when it's over, it's over. And that's it. That's what the world says. But friend, that is absolutely not what the word of God teaches. Amen? No, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. Listen to it. Paul says, for we know. We're not guessing. We're not theorizing. We're not hoping this is the case. We know. We are sure, he says. We are certain. God's told us this and he cannot lie. For we know, Paul says, that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, that we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, but it is eternal in the heavens. What does Paul call our bodies? He calls them our earthly house. He calls them a tent. And he's countering this notion that was just as common back in his day as it is today, that the physical is the most important thing. And that our lives ought to revolve around and worship the physical, our bodies, and being led by our feelings. And he's saying here, we know that there's coming a day when our earthly house, our tent, is going to be destroyed. But when that happens, we don't need to be afraid because we have a building from God. We have a new house that is not made by human hands, but it's eternal and it's in the heavens. We know this. We're confident. We don't have to be afraid because God has promised us something that is far, far better than the house that we live in right now. And I love that Paul here describes the body as a tent, because if you have ever gone camping, you will know just how temporary, how flimsy, how challenging a tent can be. I mean, that thing can look good and you can get all the poles in and everything stretched out nice and tight. But then you go to bed and in the night, what happens? Well, the wind picks up, right? The rain starts beating on the side and that old tent, man, it's flapping away like crazy and water's coming in and it's uncomfortable and it's cold. Listen, going camping, sleeping in a tent, that's fine for a while. But let's just agree, that's temporary, amen? It's an okay solution when you're out in the bush somewhere, but there are better solutions than a tent, amen? And that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, listen, don't get too enamored by your body, by the physical, because after all, it's temporary. It's an earthly house. It's a covering. It's a tent to temporarily house the real you. Let me explain it another way. If I met you for coffee today and we had a chat and then in a few weeks time, I saw you out walking on the street, I would recognize you immediately, right? 
Now, why is that? Why would I recognize you from one coffee together? Because when we met for coffee, I saw your tent, right? I saw the physical house that you live in, your body. And so now I can recognize your physical features when we pass in the street. But here's what I want you to get. Even though I saw your physical house, I didn't see you. I didn't ever see the real you. Why not? Because you, friend, are not your house. No, according to the word of God, you are a spirit. The real you is a spirit that is right now living inside of that house. Okay? Now, why is that important? Well, it's important, friend, because there's coming a day when the house that you're currently living in is going to stop breathing and your heart will stop beating. And when that happens, you're going to leave that old house. But here's the thing, and this is very, very important that you understand. You're going to leave that old house when your body stops breathing and your heart stops beating, but... You will still be you, okay? You will still exist just like you do now. You see, friend, Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never die. John eleven twenty six. listen to it. Jesus said, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, think about that. How is that? possible. I mean, we know that people die every day and a bunch of them are believers. Isn't that right? Well, no, that's technically not right because Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Well, okay. Was he saying there that if you're a believer, you're just going to live on and on and on in your physical body? Are you just going to live forever on the earth? Is that what Jesus was saying? Become a Christian and you'll just live forever? In your physical body? No, that's not what he's saying either. So what does it mean to say that you will never die? Well, friend, it means exactly what Jesus said. It means exactly that because he is talking here about you, the real you, the person inside of your body. And he's making the point that you, friend, will never die. You will not taste death. Another verse says that. And that is because you are not your body. Now, if you were, well, that'd be it, right? When your heart stopped beating, that'd be it. It'd be game over. But Jesus is saying that just because your body will one day die does not mean that you will die. And friend, that ought to be of some comfort to you today because so many people, Christians included, are afraid of death and dying. But I'm here to tell you that if you know him, you don't need to be afraid of that. You don't need to dread that because if you know him, you will never die. That's his promise to you and I. He triumphed over death for you. The Bible says he defeated death. He died so that you didn't have to. But praise God, he didn't stay dead. Amen? Because on the third day, he came out of the grave and he gave us the keys to the kingdom. 
So let's talk about what happens to the body for just a moment, because it might be that you are afraid of dying. And that fear, friend, is a bondage. It's very, very common. And the Bible tells us that it's enslaved people for thousands of years. I'm saying that the fear of death is a tool that the enemy has used for millennia to keep people limited, to keep them contained, to stop them from stepping out by faith and trusting God and doing all that he called them to do. Why? Well, they didn't do it because they were afraid, right? They didn't pursue their calling because they were afraid for their safety. They didn't speak up for Jesus because they were afraid. Afraid for their provision, their protection. They were afraid for their lives. You know, in this day and age that we're living in where Christians and believers are being more and more persecuted openly, there are a lot of people who are just afraid to speak up. They are afraid of harm being done to them. In some places around the world, more and more increasingly, people are giving up their lives for their faith. But there are a bunch of other people who right now are playing secret agent Christian. Don't tell anyone that they're a believer because they're afraid. They're afraid. And I'm saying that all of that is nothing but a fear of death. And you better believe that that keeps a lot of people in bondage. But the good news, friend, is that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. If you know him and you know what he's achieved on the cross for you, you never again need to fear death. I write about this in my book, Fearless. You know, I wrote that book a couple of years ago, Fearless, Freedom from Fear in an Anxious World. And so if you are wrestling with any kind of fear, anxiety, dread, can I encourage you, please go to our website, newboldministries.com and get a copy of the book, Fearless. That has helped thousands of people around the world to eliminate their fears, to, to overcome anxiety, to build confidence so that they can step out each day with a peace that surpasses understanding. I want that for you, friend. Please get that book, Fearless. And if there are people in your world that are struggling with fear and anxiety, get a copy for them as well. This isn't a sales pitch. I just know that a lot of people right now around the world are struggling with fear. And although there are a bunch of good books on the subject, A lot of them just won't give you a step-by-step process for identifying fears in your life, for eliminating them, and then eradicating fear so that it doesn't return. That's what we need, right? So that when it comes again the next time, we know how to cast it down. We know how to be victorious over it. We don't fall for its tricks. I talk in that book, Fearless, about overcoming the fear of what others think. Overcoming the fear of the unknown, that fear of lack, the fear of failure and doubt. What is it that we should do when we get a bad report instead of freaking out? How do we overcome phobias? I talk about a whole lot more to do with triumphing over fear. And I spend a whole chapter talking about getting victory over that fear of death and dying. But I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, because it says, Through his death, Jesus destroyed the one who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And he released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject 
to bondage. Hear that? It says that Jesus released us from that fear. Amen? He freed us from it. Friend, I want you to know today that you never again need to fear death because death, the Bible says, has been swallowed up in the victory of Jesus. And that means that if you are a child of the King, you won't taste the sting of death. You don't need to dread getting old and dying. And if any time the enemy comes and he's whispering his lies and trying to get you to fear, you can just laugh in his face and remind him that Jesus says, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I want to encourage you today. Receive that word. Believe it in your heart. Allow it to go down deep. And we'll talk more about this next time. But in the meantime, go and get fearless. Freedom from fear in an anxious world. And hey, while you're on our website, take a look at the incredible missional work that we're involved in in Cambodia and consider supporting this ministry so that we can see more people come to freedom in Christ in the days to come. Go out, have a great day, be a blessing to other people. And remember, God has good things in store for you and you have nothing to fear.